You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, guys? Welcome into Good Morning Lambo. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. You can email us, Packers Total Access at gmail.com. You can text us 865-658-5824. I'm joined alongside Tim live in Green Bay. Tim has uh, not been to bed yet, so uh, we're going to muscle through this thing. People are going, oh, no, he's depressed. No, it ain't that. He was at the airport last night, actually uh, met the team coming back to Austin Straubel. And, uh, you know, some people, they, they hear – stuff like this and they think oh that's so weird that's silly like let me explain something to you these players some of them are gonna you know how many times do we hear as soon as the season's over some players ask for a trade right like i just want out of here i just it just doesn't feel like a fit for me they're coming off an all-time low obviously dropping a heartbreaker uh out there in san francisco losing to the 49ers and when you when you have a loss like that when you come back into town, right? You fly back into town and you've got a herd of fans meeting you at different spots in the airport, just saying, Hey, thanks for the season. It's what makes green Bay so great. This, this is a tradition that started way back with Curly Lambeau, by the way. Um, there's some videos where they, I think they had went out West and played a game and they came back and it was like 4am or whatever it was, some crazy time. And uh, sure enough, there were fans waiting on Curly and them at the, at the station. And uh, might have even been the train station the first time I heard that story. But this is a tradition that uh, that Packer fans and Green Bay, you know, faithful have always done. And I just think it's absolutely awesome. And I think anyone who was out there, kudos to them, because that's what's going to kind of set the tone for the upcoming season. You know, that we people are going, Clayton, the, the season just ended. I got you. We can sit here and harp on a tough loss. Or you can do exactly what the coaches are doing, which is bury that crap. Let's go through the roster eval. Let's get ready for a brand new season. Let's do our exit interviews. Let's figure out who's going to be back, who isn't. Let's figure out who are the, let's say, the five core on offense, the five core on defense you want to build this team around. And that's the mindset we're going into the offseason with. 
and we're going to do our best to keep it on track, but we're going to have fun too. I don't want it to turn into us just reading data all the time, right? I want yeah. it to be us hanging out, talking Packers, and more specifically, talking the future of the Packers. But I'm going to share the screen here, and Tim, I'll turn the volume down. That way you can kind of talk over it a little bit. Sure. Um, and uh, I know you were at the airport, so I'll let you kind of take it away here, man. I'll, I'll I'll play maestro here. I'll turn the volume down. If you want the volume up, let me know. But here's the first video you got right here. Talk to us. Yeah, this is just Bo Melton, uh, one of the first guys coming through, you know, uh, the crowd here at the airport, thanking him for a, for a heck of a year. Um, and like you said, yeah. Out there too, didn't it? Yeah, that's yeah, Fox 11. I'm sure me and my wife are in a few of the background shots whenever that's going to air. Um and that, uh, yeah, she's got them um, coming right out of the tunnel there. Uh, I believe yeah. that's Romeo Romeo Dobbs coming up next. I like um, little man right here, Tim. What's little man? He's like, what's up, Rome? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Rome handling it, handling it well. You know, you could tell these guys are tired, um, you know, ragged from a long road trip. Got Aaron Jones here, the Jones boys, Aaron Jones, Caleb Jones. Look at that man right there in the back. God almighty. Is that is that Caleb or is that Jonathan Ford? That's Caleb. No, that's Caleb. Caleb Jones. Oh, yeah, dude. big Caleb. How big um, that is. Yeah, I mean, and the sound is just a lot of a lot of fans just saying, you know, what I was mm -hmm. saying. Thanks for a great year, and yeah, you know, being proud of this team and the way that they've exceeded expectations. Um, so just good to see a lot of the faithful out there. Uh, four four o'clock in the morning, <laughs> waiting on the waiting on the boys getting back. Um, believe we got a couple more here. Yeah. yeah, we got uh, – uh, let's see, who is that? Is that Rasheed Walker? Um, yeah, it looks like Sheed. Yep. And then we've got um, – who else here? TJ Slayton there, Scoot, uh, Jaden Reed. It was really hard to get video, man, kind of just standing in the crowd. But, um, you know, it was just fun. This is something I've wanted to do for a long time. Um, haven't been able to do until we moved up here. So uh, we decided rather than uh, falling asleep and trying to wake up, we just stayed up. There's A.J. Dillon. Um, coming through with some of the guys you'll see. Uh, looks like Sean Clifford there. There's Sean Clifford, Magoo. You know the squad. Oh yeah, Dave McDuffie right there gave him some props. Heck of a year from him. Yeah, seriously, man. You know, um, yeah, so just there, just showing some appreciation, um, to our guys as they uh get off that long flight from Cali. We got yeah. Malik Heath coming up here. Gave him some love. LVN right behind him. Yeah. LVN, man, he really turned it on, in my opinion, um, especially in the run game. He just looks like he belongs, you know. Um, I think he's – I think you're going to see a huge year two jump from him next year. I'm excited yep. to see how they incorporated him into the defense even more. And, and you know, with especially with Rashawn Gary. And, hey, I got to choose my words wisely here because there's been some Rashawn Gary slander. And I just don't know what people are watching, man. It, we get so caught up in stats and who, well, how many sacks has he had? It, it, you know, every time I hear that, what I think is, so you would rather have sacks than success? Like the game plan isn't just geared around, just go get a sack. There's so many different elements to it, man, so many. And there were so many times last night that I seen him engage, I seen him punch, hop back, set the edge, make sure they're not running any trichanery around the end. And then, of course, the one sack that we got last night, I think we got one sack, might have gotten two, but I know that play, Gary flushed him out. He couldn't finish the sack, but he had Brock Purdy running for his life, and I think it was Preston Smith and Kenny Clark who split Kenny the Clark, play. yeah. Gary, and, that, and that's what we talk about with the coaches and the evals and all that. They go sit in the room. They don't go, all right, guys, 
who all had the sacks. That's who was the, you know, yes, they pointed out because the end statistics is what everyone sees, right? Everyone sees in the stat columns, but these coaches are grading out the play. How did you, I think they have, they have uh, an ex- execution grade and a scheme grade. They go, okay, did you perform your role in the scheme? How well did you do that? They grade that. And then they grade how well did you execute on your play, right? Did you beat the guy in front of you? So they they don't just only give positives for if they make the play. They give a positive if, okay, you did exactly what we asked you to do. And I'm telling you, since the Giants game, that's why you don't hear me freaking out over Rashawn Gary. You watch yep. the tape, you watch the box cam, and you go, oh, He's not pinning his ears. They've got him playing a little bit different here. And, and the same fans that are bitching and moaning and crying about Alex – or uh, I'm sorry, about uh, uh, DeVito running all over him are the same ones complaining that we're not pinning our ears back and sacking the quarterback. Like you when, you when you give something up, when you, go to, when you go to try to maximize on one specific thing, you're going to give something else up. That's just the way the game works. You know, you could take a shot play – Right, you could take a deep shot down the sideline, which we seen last night. Kind of cool. We we kind of called that. We hadn't seen it in several games, and we knew how the Niners were going to play. Mm-hmm. But you could take that shot play, knowing you could hit a home run or get a pass interference. I think it was Bo Melton that drew the pass interference. You, that's a, that's an opportunity. That's a possibility. But you also know the ramifications of that is you taking a deep shot, it falling incomplete on a first down or a second and long, and now you're looking off schedule, third and long, low percentage play. On top of that, your receivers just stretch the field and exhausted themselves, right? And your pass protection has to hold up a little bit longer, and now you put that on tape and they're going to be preparing for it so you can't just keep going to the well. There's pros and cons to every situation, and the same thing applies on defense. It really does, so – um, that's just kind of how my mind fires and how I look at it. But again, when I look at Rashawn Gary, I don't watch the tape and go, damn, he's getting beat. I watch the tape and go, he's, you could tell he's playing right within the scheme. Yep. And, and when he has an opportunity to pin his ears back, he's still beating the guy in front of him. You don't believe me go to PFF. Well, I don't like PFF. You don't believe PFF go to the 33rd team. And I'm sorry if you're going to come at me and say that you understand how Gary is effective or ineffective more than multiple former head coaches, former NFL executives who are building rosters their entire career, and former players, that's a hard pass for me. Yeah. I, we can just agree to disagree and go our merry ways. So right. when you pull the SIS data and the 33rd team site data and you pull the PFF grade data, Rashawn Gary is arguably the best player on this team. So just because he finally got the money that he was due, now all of a sudden we're going to hold him to this different standard is just silly. Like, if there's one player on this team, Tim, that that I think uh, has earned every dime of his paycheck, to me it's Rashawn Gary. He battled his rear end off to get back from that ACL. And yep. he didn't have to do that. He didn't have to do that at all, right? And you, Yes, it's a contract year, but at the end of the day – that dude could have just sat back and said, you know what? They know how good I am. I'm not going to push this back. And what did he do? He wanted to be out there on the field. Remember him crying early in the year. And when he's having success, these same people, you don't hear him say anything positive. Yep. It's the second that he doesn't – the second that the stat column doesn't line up with whatever his right. salary is. Right. If Rashawn doesn't have nine sacks in a game, everyone's, you know, disappointed. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I couldn't agree more, Clayton. And, you know, one of the things I see with him is coachability. You know, he's going into veteran – veteran status here as a player in this league and he's still coachable he's still willing to do 
the things that maybe weren't a strong suit uh, of his game. Um, he's willing to work on that and develop that and, and do what you're being asked to do out there for the betterment of your team. And, um, you know, he's not the only player with that attitude. That, that attitude is clearly contagious in this locker room. And, um, you know, Rashawn Gary is priceless. He's worth every nickel. And, um, you know, let's not forget he got the bag, but, um, you know, it was a pretty team friendly deal too. Uh, if, if I don't say so myself, I'll, I'll just, uh, n- me not being a salary cap expert, um, I feel like we did we did pretty good with the Rashad Gary contract. Um, oh, absolutely. That's, that's a pillar of this defense, and uh, he deserves every penny. And you got that out of the way, and then that's that's part of the problem I have with the the Rashad Gary haters is like, okay, you've got two options here. You either re-sign him, right, or you let him walk. And by re-sign, that could mean a franchise tag, which thank God they didn't do that because when you sign him to an extension, you now have flexibility to move that money around and free up cap room. So you can go on a run here, but you have two options. You either re-sign them or you don't. Are you trying to convince me that arguably the best player on our defense should not be re-signed at the most premier position on that side of the ball? Like that's, that's just insane to me that someone would come up with that conclusion. And I don't know, maybe it's the, I want to be the smartest person in the room or I don't, I, I just can't wrap my mind around it. If he was, it's all about building building the floor of those core positions. That should be the number one goal when you're roster building. It's edge. It's the most important position on defense right next to interior defensive line, three tech more specifically. And you go, okay, we got a guy who, according to former coaches and executives, think he's one of the best in the game. PFF has him graded out as the 13th best edge rusher coming off an ACL. And we just, well, no, no, we'll just start from scratch. It's the whole mentality. It's someone's got to take the fall. You know, it's just like the whole Joe Barry thing. And we don't know if Joe Barry's going to be back. I see many comments that it seemed like Matt LaFleur and his presser kind of hinted at Barry would be back. I have a hard time believing they're going to be able to not bring him back. We'll talk about that in a minute. We'll do all that. But, um, yeah, let's see. Let's go through the chat real quick. Ty Fisher says Gary is unselfish. Uh, Gary was containing first. Completely agree. I, I put one down. I think it might have been Jeff Silkey. Um, but uh, someone in here said, Imagine that the run defense got better in the sack numbers. Yeah, here we go. It was yep. just that Gary, Gary not getting sacks while the run defense improved. Hmm, mm-hmm. all right, there you go. You see his other one I got up there too. Another great, yeah. great comment from uh, Jeff. He said, Can you imagine Reggie White not playing the run and only going for sacks? He would have insane sack totals, but that's not winning football. Very well said, Jeff. Yep. Everything goes to get, and listen, I'm not saying that Rashawn Gary played like a like a top three player in the league. I'm not saying he's, he's, he's TJ Watt or even Nick Bosa. I'm simply saying you've got a homegrown talent that is the best defensive player on your team. Why are we trying to start from scratch? Because you're an emotional – try not to be mean. I want to be positive. But people are just overly emotional. and emo- we, we just need a sack here. Cut him. Get him out of here. What are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing here? I'm, I'm – I'm trying not to laugh. It's just insane to me, man. Carly Ray says, uh, I feel bad for Zach Tom. Tim, did you see him coming off the plane? Did you see him at all, Tim? I did. I did. And I, I'm mad. I, I tried to get some still photos um, in those moments, but it's pretty tough. I, I had a shaky photo of him that I just ended up deleting because it looked so terrible. I am definitely not uh, Evan Siegel. Um, but the uh, no, I saw Zach Tom um, walking just fine with the rest of the guys. Uh, he came out. Um in the airport and he looked good. You know, I'm not a doctor, but I'm assuming if it was something 
super serious. He might have been, uh, you know, had other transportation <laughs> arrangements, maybe went right to a car or something. But uh, no, he was walking with everybody else. Um, he seemed fine. So, um, you know, I guess we'll never know, right? We don't have another game to get ready for. So I, we wouldn't know his uh, status being that there's no injury report or anything like that. But um, something to keep an eye on, um, see what the, the final verdict is. But yes, I can confirm uh, Zach Tom did walk off uh, the plane with the rest of the team. Yeah, for sure. Jeff says the officiating was, as usual, awful. Gosh, the Niners got a lot of breaks. You know, I, I've been kind of combing through Twitter on that. I've, I've posted several different iffy calls, right? Because I'm like, when I do that, I want to know, what does everybody else think? Am I off base here? I want to kind of run it through the filter. Like, all right, are you guys seeing this the same way I am? It was like crazy, crazy unanimous. People were like, what in the world? I mean, like the Christian McCaffrey touchdown, one one of the the long one I should say two blocks in the back, and it's it's different if it's away from the ball. The officials are watching right there on the ball. It's the reason Jonathan Owens doesn't tackle him. He yeah. there's one screen grab. If you pause it just right, his head is being pushed down between his legs because he got to Christian and was ready to break down, and and Ayuk came in and pushed didn't just push him in the back. He ran through his back and like pushed him down like a pretzel. <laughs> and I was going. It'd be different if it was just like a little nudge and the officials going, this is a big play. I don't want to, I don't want to decide the game with a flag here. Right. Sure. That was just like, damn, read the rule book. <laughs> right. So yep. I agree with Jeff there in that regard. I know, uh, let's see Jeremy in here. These always crack me up. Now I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to go in a little deep here. Jeremy Dietzel gaming says only losers blame the refs. These are the same people in my opinion that are on Twitter going, you know, the, we're, some of us are like, man, what a season. That's awesome. Right. Like it's the youngest team in the league. We didn't expect to be here kind of playing with the house's money. We've said it all year long. And then these type of fans right here come in and what do they do? That's loser mentality. Get the hell away from me, dude. Like only losers blame the refs. So you're not allowed to talk about the outcome of the game. It's just we lost. We said it in the postgame show over and over and over. The officials aren't the reason we lost this game. That's right. I don't think anybody in the chat's saying that. I'm simply saying, show me one play, one, just one, where the Packers caught a break. That okay. is why home teams are always three point favorites by default, because those officials spend the week in that town. They're hearing the fans all around them, right? They've probably got a little extra, extra time with the home team. This happens in Green Bay, too, by the way. As an officiating crew, they're human beings. If you're in a, a stadium full of, you know, one specific type of fan, you're, you're probably psychologically going to kind of lean toward that team because it's like, okay, you know, I don't want to piss these people off <laughs> first and foremost. Yeah, right? It's funny that you bring this up because especially with this crew that we had last night, right, it's, right. it's a well-known, well-known fact. It's statistically proven throughout his career. Mm -hmm. um that the home team usually wins in games that he officiates yeah. i mean it's you can look it up it's you right. know there's validity to what you're saying and nobody's putting the blame on the refs and yeah. you know it's funny because we're not pointing at calls we're pointing at calls that weren't made things right. that were missed right. yeah. um because we did get calls in this game when you know, we had a blatantly obvious pass interference on Bo Melton. Great job by Jordan Love in that situation to, to heave that ball down there, leave it long, because um, he saw that developing. 
Um, yeah. Bo had that dude roasted. And uh, when you're roasted, there's not much you can do but try and grab and get there early. Um, so we were getting those calls, these blatantly obvious ones. But, I mean, yeah. missed ball spots. Bro, that intentional grounding. Yeah, like, that was a huge miss. He's in the pocket, and he throws the ball 15 yards out of bounds, and there's not even a receiver on that side of the field. Yep. Like, there is no better definition. of it. And you could see Brock Purdy – realized it and he's walking to the sideline he's like all upset like god they're gonna get me for grounding and they never threw the flag it's like and they went on to score that drive if i remember correctly so they went on to score on that drive and then the christian mccaffrey touchdown again should have been two blocks in the back there um and, and i don't have a problem with it if they had missed calls you know in the packers favor too right you just didn't see it so Yep. All I'm simply pointing out is I'm the I'm the fan that always defends the NFL when people say it's fixed, right? I'm that guy that goes, shut up, it's not fixed. Like, you're a sore loser, just shut up. Yep. They're making it more and more difficult for people like me to defend it because I'm just telling you, every single week. Remember the Lions game, the Lions and the Cowboys game. They completely botched it, right? Yep. Now, you say, oh, well, the Lions were trying to manipulate them and sending people over there. When there's video evidence – First of all, there's nothing in the rule book that says you can't walk a couple players over there, right? Now, if you if you try to do it in a very very manipulative way, I'm sure they could override that. But when the when the official looks right at the player and the player says, "I'm eligible," "I'm eligible," and they ignore it, and I'm I'm the idiot the next day on the on on the podcast going, "Come on, guys, it's not fixed." <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And they're making it more and more difficult. That's all I'm saying for me anyway. So, uh, yeah, Jeremy, we definitely disagree on that, buddy. It ain't about, you know, okay, so if you don't agree with the ref's call, everybody's a loser. Everybody's a loser. Okay, gotcha. It's just silly to me. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing slab packs from arenaclub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. 
And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Um, Carly in here in the uh, chat says, I popped into a Niners stream for a few minutes. They agree they caught some breaks in many of them. And there's nothing wrong with them saying that, right, Carly? Like, that's – I would say it. I've said it multiple times this year. Like, hey, man, Green Bay took they, – they caught a break right there. Remember last week, Tim, the, the Jair interception? What did I say? That's pass interference. Caught a break, you know? I, I think the one we might have got a break on in this game, now that I think about it, is the the personal foul on Trent Williams. <laughs> that oh, was yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. J.O. J.O. did his best, uh, you know, soccer player impression there. A good old LeBron, our, uh, LeBron James school of flopping. Um, expertly timed by J.O. Great play. Got us a call. But that was probably it. The other yeah, I thing- pulled this one up real quick. I just wanted, while we were on the subject, you know, from uh, ML football here, um, you know, I guess give them a follow. I some of, some of the content can be, but I mean, you can't you can't debate things like this, right? I mean, how many guys are lined up in the neutral zone here after after you already you know screwed us on the ball spot? You know, on this one should have been a first down already. To add insult to injury, this is what we get. I mean, come on, yeah. guys. Like, and again, how do you how do you miss that if you are a side judge? You are look look at if you look at the top of the screen here, you see his legs. I mean, you can see the official right here, his legs. I mean, he's got to be staring straight down this line. Now he either you're look at, look either at you're, you're blinder than Stevie Wonder, or <laughs> you're choosing not to make that call. It's that simple. Yeah, in my opinion. I mean, no, I don't know how I'm, I'm with you on this. I didn't even see this one. Um, Doug says uh, that offside is what I was screaming about in the chat last night. <laughs> got you, Doug. Got you, buddy. Um, Mike Hebring uh, here in the chat says, smash that like button. Appreciate that, Mike. He said, the season is over, but we're just getting started. My favorite time of the year, the offseason, combine, draft, free agency, pinch me. I love it. That's immediately how my mind goes to, Mike. And what's cool is I know people go, we don't have football all year, and, and, and as much as it bothers me that we don't have football for a long time, you got an upstart league getting cranked up where they merged two spring leagues. I enjoy the spring football. I know a lot of people dogged it last year. It's where Mr. Magoo came from, right? That's right. But USFL um, MVP there. Yeah. But the, the last really, USFL MVP, right? We got the merger now. Yeah. I enjoy I enjoy the spring football, but also you can go back and watch last year's games, kind of relive it. I like to do that too. I like to kind of break it down into quarters as we get closer to OTAs. I like to go, okay, the first quarter of the season, here's what went right, here's what went wrong. Second quarter is what went right, went wrong. How did we finish? And kind of give you a true eval of kind of how everything has gone. So uh, that makes sense. Let's see here. Green and Go draft report says, Devontae Wyatt sure proved precedent, didn't he? Bad accuracy, wobblers, and multiple turnover-worthy throws. Party ain't what a lot believe him to be. I got to push back there, Green and Go. Um, I disagree on that. I think Brock Purdy, I think Brock Purdy's the real deal. Um, I think that I, I'm not I'm not suggesting this is what you're doing, but if he had done what he did last night to the Ravens defense, I think people would be all over him. People don't want to give Green Bay credit on defense, that they're just not as horrible as everyone wants them to be, so they can get a new DC. Um, yeah, I think they finished somewhere around 12th or 15th, according to uh 3013. Um, so, uh, 
you guys know pretty much all year long I've been saying I feel like they're middle of the pack. And then when you throw in red zone defense and total point, you know, like points allowed, it's like it's hard to hard to make a case that you need a new D.C., you know, and you need to bring in a new scheme. Um, although this isn't the Fangio scheme for the most part. You got a little bit of it trickled in, but we kind of abandoned that at times and got burned. You seen him get burned last night, the huge George Kittle play, man coverage. Like you you control – and as soon as you get back to zone, you settle back in, right? Yeah. Um, and I understand you need to mix it up. Even the teams that run the least amount of man still run a significant amount. It's just they run a lot more zone than they do man. But it's just every time I see man coverage, I'm just like this. I know, it's right? Every explosive play. <laughs> I know. So <laughs> – Anyway, but yeah, um, I, I think Purdy is a great player, Green and Go Draft. I know we talked about it. People have tried to paint this picture of, well, the second half, he wasn't that good. He was still great in the second half. You can't, here's what, here's all I'm saying. You guys know I love Jordan Love. I think he's a franchise quarterback. I, I am convinced without a reason, without a shadow of a doubt now. You can't on one side say Jordan Love is a great quarterback and then look at Brock Purdy and say he's not as good as they're saying. Like, the other thing is getting swept under the rug today. And, and I don't want this show to be passing blame, but if you had told me going into the game, Jordan Love's going to throw two interceptions and he's going to throw, was it two interceptions on the last three drives? Is that what it was? It was something crazy. I know they stalled there at the very end, but if you had told me he was going to throw two interceptions and Brock Purdy wasn't going to throw any, I'd be like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I can't. Two how, picks how do you still come away from was, it green law, was it Greenlaw that picked them off both times too? Um, he got one for sure. It might have been both times. It might have been both times. But, yeah. But you can't – you know what I'm saying? You can't have a quarterback throw two interceptions and go, he's great, and this guy didn't didn't give the game away and play great all year long and go, I don't think he's that good. Just, well, it makes you think of, like you said, man, you can't help but wonder about the, the, the missed opportunities we had to uh, add a couple turnovers to that uh, that list. You know, mm-hmm. we could have been awash in the turnover. We could each had two turnovers in this game. And who knows how things may have uh, shaped out if uh, Sab makes that uh, pick six that was right right in his hands. Um, I mean, we call it a pick six because, you know, we're we're couch analysts watching the game thinking, oh, if he catches that, you know, he's going to the house. We, there's no guarantee that that would have been returned. I, I'm, I'm with the sentiment, though. I agree that in all likelihood it probably would have been. But, you mm-hmm. know. You never know how a play is going to end. Look at Aaron Jones had a you know that huge fifty-three yard uh, run that you know for a moment there it looked like he might break free and, and go to the house and you know plays plays uh, unfold how they do you know to his credit on that one he tried to spin it back in and keep it alive get some more yards fighting for every inch and you yeah. love it but there's no guarantees in football other than uh, you'll you'll be surprised the minute you think <laughs> you got something figured out um, you're going to be surprised so but. You know, we talked about that, man. Missed opportunities uh, to create turnovers, um, you know, by our defense. Um, I don't know, man. You know, the, there's going to be a lot of plays you want back. I'm sure Savage is thinking about oh, that yeah. one that dropped in his lap. And, um, you know, I don't think we need to harp on it too much. But, yeah, it's you know, we talked about it going into the game. You wanted to be plus one, plus two. And we ended up going the other way. And, um, you know, certainly a huge reason why uh, why we didn't win. And you want to know what a perfectly schemed up coverage looks like? That's it right there. This and immediately it's I seen him on Twitter. Joe Barry he's garbage. I can't believe we're still doing this. Like, are you watching the damn game? Are you watching him scheme up 
two give me interceptions. This one, by the way, should have been a pick six. Yep. And look, it's not like he said, it's not the dog on Savage. He's he is as upset about this as anybody. I promise you that. It's just to point out what else. Look at this picture, please. Everyone take a second and look at this picture and tell me what else is Joe Barry supposed to do? Yep. (laughs) And it's well, now we're not getting sacks again. Go back and watch the Giants game. You could tell it was an adjustment. Look, we're going to stop the run from here on out, and we're going to make sure this quarterbacks don't run all over us. We got some mobile quarterbacks coming up that are way more mobile than than uh, Tommy Cutlets, right? So this right here, though, is this. I just don't understand how you can watch that game and go, "Hey, this is on Joe Barry." It just makes no sense to me. And again, everything across the board. If you can find any way possible to upgrade this team, coaching staff, players, everything. I'm all for getting better. But to just make an emotional decision of we need to get rid of this guy because I made a stu- I made several stupid comments earlier in the year. That's like the fire of Matt LaFleur crowd. People that I respect, people that I respect on Twitter and have connected with a lot, for about a five or a six-game stint was just fire Matt LaFleur, fire Matt LaFleur, fire Matt LaFleur. And now all of a sudden they're back to, oh, yeah, nothing happened. It's like. Get your freaking emotions in check, man. It's embarrassing as a fan base that when you just – because something doesn't turn out the way you want it to turn out, it's someone's got to take the fall here, right? There's going to be plenty of time for evaluation in the next few weeks, and this yep. is going to be a roster turnover. It's what Matt was talking about last night, Coach LaFleur was talking about. These guys, that same team will never be – you know, will never be together again, and yep. it's sad. And they're as tore up as anyone. I don't know if you've seen Keyshawn Nixon's tweet, but it was awesome. He basically – uh I think I retweeted it out. I'll, I'll pull it up. I don't want to misquote it here. But, uh, yeah, he he basically just tweeted out, and it was like – it was eight hours ago, so you do the math, right? It was immediately following the game. All he tweeted out was, go, Pat, go, K-9. So, Keyshawn, he knows they've got something special there, right? Yep. Let's hope he makes it back too. But as far as Devontae White on Green and Gold's draft report, I am not as sold on Devontae White as everyone else. Now, the people who like the sacks, they love Devontae White because he's gotten a lot of interior rush sacks. The problem is when you watch the run game, he is very, very, very um, – he's a liability in the run game. Last night you seen him bust into the backfield, grab the running back. It's like he's he's over 300 pounds, and he just slides right off the running back. It's like you've got to finish that tackle. So um, I'm not uh, – I'm not as sold on Devontae White because I want a more complete player. Now, if you've got a third and eight, him at the interior pass rush, it's hard to find someone better, right? And you could tell that that's what Goody's done. He's prioritized rushing the quarterback. We've kind of talked about that all year. So um, let's see what else we got in here. United Bates says, Carlson, 81.8% field goal percentage this, uh, this regular season. Crosby didn't break 80% until his fifth year and has a 81.3 career average regular season. Hold up a minute. I trust Bates over everyone. You're telling me that Carlson, his rookie year, was more accurate of a field goal kicker than Crosby his first five years in the league. And you're telling me that Carlson's field goal percentage this year was better than Mason Crosby's career average? You sure about that? That's wild. You sure about that? And wow. Bates, Bates, I'm glad you shared that because – Several weeks ago, I pulled it up, and I was like, guys, he's in the top 10 in field goal percentage. 
Now, the extra points, people think people were still in the mindset of extra points are gimmies. They're not gimmies anymore. When they when they changed the rule and moved it back, they're no longer gimmies. So that's what they said on the, on the you know on the stream last night was or on the on the game last night. The broadcaster said, if you factored in the extra points too, here's his field goal percentage. It's like, well, that's not the truth. Then you're trying to bend stats to look like they're worse than they are. Um, so uh, uh, United Bates, he said, my source is uh, uh, unless Wiki and ESPN are lying to me. I would say it's pretty accurate. Bates. I love it. We've just got this kind of this unrealistic expectation. And again, that's that's comparing him to one of the all-time greats in Packer history. I mean, Mason, am I am I right, Tim? Mason's the all-time scorer leading leader in Packer yep. history. Yep. So, you know, we got to put those things into perspective for sure. Um, Carly Ray says, Aren't we supposed to be decent in man matchups due to high RAS numbers? Isn't that the point of having a quote more athletic player? It's it's the foundation for it, Carly. It's the foundation for everything in football, right? It, it, you know. You can have the smartest player in the league, but if they if if a corner runs a four eight forty, they're not going to be able to cover, right? You put me out there, I'm getting burned every time. I could be, you know, I could know every defense, I could know every assignment. Not that I do, believe me, I don't. We okay. we know this much of what's actually going on behind the scenes, and we try to bring you that much. <laughs> so, but we. When it comes to RAS numbers, it says you've got the physical ability, right? You can change direction. You got the burst. You got the speed. But there's a thing called football speed too, and and really what goes into that basis is your reactionary skills, how quickly you react because your mind is processing what's happening on the field. Yeah. That's why the draft is so hit or miss because it's like how do you know you have that in a player? The the only way, in my opinion, is to watch the college tape and go, okay, how does he react? How does he actually play in game time? When I do my draft, and I'm going to give you guys a little bit of behind the scenes, um, my draft board, when I create it, I, it's like I have a bunch of advisors. I take information from very few people that I trust, and I know they don't make emotional decisions. I know they don't have ties to people, uh, not just in the NFL, but the college ranks, because that happens. You ever see some of these hot takes, and all of a sudden you see a guy flying up the draft boards late in the year? It's because – these guys that are that are putting these reports out and saying their stocks soaring, they have ties to universities and coaching staffs, and they're like, "Hey, let me boost that guy." Why would they do that? They're not even playing for that college, Clayton. Because if that player gets drafted in the second round, that college coach now goes to the next high school phenom and goes, "Hey, look, we just had a boy drafted in the second round. We can do that for you, right?" There's a lot of that going on behind the scenes, so I protect myself really, really strict. I'm really strict about who I trust with information. One of those people is Greg Cosell. One of the most pure breakdown film breakdown guys you'll ever ever hear from. Like this summer coming up, he will be spending the whole summer breaking down the seniors and juniors in this upcoming college uh, football season. Right, he'll go off the other tape, and he's trying to set the foundation for the draft coming up the next year. Now let's see how they perform this year, and he, he kind of piles on it. So when it comes to that stuff, that you know, I, I take uh, I'm very very protective over who I let you know, try to sway me, in my opinion, of a prospect. Now, with the RAS stuff, what happens, Carly, is you get closer to the draft, the combine hits, right? And all of a sudden, these guys go out there and they're a freak at the combine and their stock soars, right? Me, personally, my draft board is already created before the combine, and I do that for that very reason. I do not want to be swayed. And then I take the combine numbers and go, okay, how much stock do I want the combine numbers to be in these players? Because me, personally... I would rather 90% of the stock go into the tape. If someone is too slow to play, it's going to show up on film and they're not going to grade out well. 
But this whole falling in love with players because they run a 4-3-40 in their underwear, I'm sorry, man. It's I would much rather have someone who's got, you know, more success on the field, if that makes sense. So that's kind of how I see that. Hopefully that makes some sense. But, yeah, it, theoretically, RAS numbers should say, hey, they can play man coverage. It means they've got the physical abilities to stay, but the technique, learning – Knowing that when you're in a when you're in a single high cover one where your where your leverage should be, and on top of that during the week, taking the time to study the tape. And when I say study the tape, they'll give them a cut up of the receivers they got to face, like the top three receivers on that team, maybe the top four receivers, and they'll just look at their mannerism. Pre snap, as soon as they break the huddle, what's he doing here? Okay, when he runs a go route, he puts his left hand on his hip, you know, or he he you know weight distribution to the inside of his front foot. That typically is indicative of he's going to run a smoke screen. Like, if a player isn't willing to study that stuff, yep, they're not going to be all pro caliber. If they don't know they need to study that stuff, and it, well, I'm sure the coaches are telling you that, right? They are, but guys, you've met a thousand village idiots in your life, right? Where you could tell them one, th- it goes right through this ear and right back out the other, right? There's players like that in the league too, so it's why yeah. your Charles Woodsons are different, right, Tim? Absolutely. And even if you do, you know, you can get coached up and learn these things with experience and you've got that athletic ability, that high RAS score. Can you put those two together like that during a game? Like you always say, you see it, you got to say it. Well, you're out there, you see it, you got to you got to make a reaction. You have to make a play. Um, And there's guys that do that better than others in this league. And there's young players that take a little longer to develop and get to that point, too. you know, we have to remember that it's really easy as fans after a year like this to go, wow, man, we got a squad. Look at the way these these rookies and second year players have have played. And it's like, you know, there's still learning that's happening. There's still development that's that's going to happen. Um, and whether we're talking about our rookie kicker or we're talking about rookie defensive tackles or safeties, you know, um, you got to give them time to develop. And it and it. It's easier to say that coming off a year like this where, you know, remember, guys, I know we're down now. We're fresh off off a season ending loss in the playoffs, but we, right. we were in the playoffs. We played meaningful football in January. Uh, what was the number one goal going into this season, Clayton? We talked about it over and over again, finding out if Jordan Love is, in fact, the dude. And Top we found problem. that out. He is him, as the, as the kids say. We know this, okay? That's an unequivocal certainty. And if you don't believe that, I don't know what to tell you. We're, we must be watching two totally different uh, players. Um, so we've achieved that goal. And we've also got vital, crucial, priceless playoff experience already for guys in their first year. I mean, first year in the league, and you're going to, you know, you make it to the divisional round of the playoffs. You know what it's like to go on a run. You know what it's like to play back against the wall, gun to your head football for the better part of a month, win or go home to close out your season and advance in the in the postseason. I mean, guys, we have a lot to be proud of this team for and uh, a bright future ahead of us. So um, let that comfort you in this, uh, this time of uh, stress <laughs> and agony for sure. No doubt. David in the chat said, Love didn't miss two field goals. No, but Love threw two interceptions. Hey, there's plenty of blame to go around, man. I argue that if he doesn't throw one of those interceptions, you probably win the game, right? Just like you're arguing that if you don't miss one of those field goals, you win the game, right? It is what it is, man. It's a team sport. Um, the idea yeah. that special teams cost us this game is a, is a laughing joke 
That's there's there's absolutely no way. I'm especially with Keyshawn with the big kick returning. I know he fumbled. By the way, bring Eric Wilson back. Thank please. you. That dude on special teams filling in in a pinch. We talked about it earlier. You're like, man, Eric Wilson when he's playing inside linebacker, he looks like he belongs. We need that dude back on the roster. That's I don't want to say it's a top priority, but that's one of the priorities this offseason because that's a core. I, I think of how Bill Belichick built all those dynasty years, um, those teams in the dynasty years in New England. He had guys like that on special teams. That's just like that. That's a dude that you could tell the teammates love. You could tell the coaching staff. Was he a captain yesterday? Am I thinking right, Tim? I believe he was. Let's see. Uh, I thought I wrote him down. I think he was a captain multiple times this year, if I remember correctly, which is wild because what that is is the coaches coming in that week go, this dude right here deserves it. He's working his tail off. And that again, guy right there. That's the man. If And here's the thing, too. Like, people don't do what they're told. They do what they see and hear edified. So when you've got a player who's playing his arse off like Eric Wilson is and hustling on every play and recovering that fumble, if he's not hustling – Keyshawn's going to take it to the house. I'm not going to throw a block here. I'm just going to sit back. If he doesn't have the mindset of, nope, you play every down like it's your last and you finish strong, he doesn't recover that fumble, and we probably get boat raced at the end of the game, to be honest with you. Yep. Um, so by making him, right, by making him a captain, what, what the coaches are telling the team is, look, if you act like this, if you perform like this, if you put your heart and freaking soul into it like this, you'll be listed as a captain. That gives those players something to kind of strive for. So I hope next year they pick captains. And uh, yeah. I like the idea of the players picking the captains. And if someone like Jair did and Zadarius did throw a fit over it, then look, you think you're bigger than the team then. This is the team chose. These are our leaders. And that way it's kind of a sounding board too. They can go to those captains. If they're wearing that C on their chest and something's bothering them, they can go to that guy. And then that guy goes to the coaching staff and sits down like, hey, here's here's what we're thinking, right? And it's a, it's just a good buffer there. You didn't have that buffer this year, and that's why it blew up with Jair, right? And by the way, I want to say again, I've said this a thousand times, kudos to Jair because that dude, it would have been real easy to let your ego get in the way. He humbled himself. He came back into that locker room. He played his butt off. He played hurt. I tip my cap to Jair Alexander, and I'm, I'm glad he's a Green Bay Packer. I really am. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, that, was, that tells me a lot about that man's character that he handled that adversity that way. And I know it. people are going to be bringing it on to himself. I got you. I completely agree. But still, everybody makes mistakes, man. I say it all the time. You haven't seen or heard me do something stupid, hang around. It's coming, right? It's right around the corner. I promise you that. Uh, Nick McSwain, appreciate you, buddy. He's been a member now of the PTA Posse for four months. You're awesome, dude. He said, I've never been more excited for an offseason. Go, Pat, go. Completely agree, Nick. It's going to be a lot Absolutely. of fun. Cheesehead Murph said, Wilson showed me he was uh, next player up over Patrick Taylor, bright future, talking about Emmanuel Wilson. I agree, Tim. Looks like he belongs. Do you see him hurdle that guy on the sideline? Yeah, man. I love it. There's there's something there, right? I mean, you're talking about a guy that's shown – we always use, you know, shown flashes. We, we like that term. Well, it, it's nearly every time he's touched the ball. I mean, going back even the, the way he performed in preseason games and then, you know, you know – excuse me, getting him into the mix um, during the season when we needed him with with injuries to both Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon um, was huge for a young player. And then to see him come back from that shoulder uh, injury that he suffered and, and play a couple couple more snaps for us is huge. So I, I think um, future's bright for him in Green Bay. I, I hope he sticks around. I think, I think there's some truth to that. I think uh, 
the Patrick Taylor experiment may may be over with. I think we've got some confidence in uh, Emmanuel Wilson. And, you know, if Patrick Taylor does come back on the practice squad, if he's eligible, I'm not sure if he is. And he's one of those players you can call up and send back down. I don't have a problem with that either because he knows the system inside and out. He knows the pass protection, right? It's why Aaron liked him so much because he was really good at pass protection. So I'm okay with that depth there. But I'll tell you what I'd like to see this off. If, if Even if A.J. comes back, if A.J. Dillon comes back, you got to start thinking about running back of the future. And sometimes when you make the playoffs, most of the time, you have kind of the pick of the litter at running back. And I know people don't like that to think about that in the first round. And I understand you think you can get a, a decent back in the latter rounds. You did it with Aaron Jones. You did it with A.J. Dillon to a certain extent. But look at look at B. John Robinson this year. And I know he was hurt this year, right, but how he flashed. Um, who was – I've already forgot his name. The Detroit Lions rookie running back that made all the difference in the world too. I don't know why I want to say Swift, but I know it's not Swift. Anyway. Um, That's what I was going to say, but I – <laughs> Imagine if, imagine if you add in a a utility running back, a young one, whether it's in the first or the second round. I'm not suggesting they'll do this because we know the Packers put a premium on those premier positions. Who am I to disagree? I'm just saying, if you add in someone who can kind of, you know, uh, mold themselves behind Aaron Jones, especially in the passing game as well, and get them into a position where they can contribute this coming year and then step into that starting running back role – Again, it's got to be got to be top tier. You know, the old saying, you, you don't pay for good. You don't overpay for good. You overpay for great. Kind of the same thing with draft capital. I'm okay with them taking a running back really early in the draft if, if they're not overpaying. You know what I'm saying? Or if they're overpaying for a great back, I should say. That's um, uh, kind of how I see that. But uh, Joe RX, thank you for the super chat, buddy. He said, how long would you guys give a kicker to grow or improve before moving on? Um, you know, if he had had a horrible year, Joe, I'd be a little less, you know, likely to bring him back. But the problem is, like United Bates pointed out, and I'd love it if someone, if someone could kind of check that for us too. I believe Bates. I'm just wondering if there's another way we can cross check it outside of what he said with. E- I mean, if ESPN's got it, we say a lot of bad things about ESPN from time to time. But if they've got the stats, they're not going to put a fake stat up. He's more accurate right now, Joe, than Mason Crosby was his first five years in the league. If that's true, then. As a field, you know, you know, strictly field goal percentage, you can't compare the extra point accuracy because the rules were totally different most of Mason's career, right? The extra points were a lot closer. So, if that is true on field goal percentage, then he's already ahead of where Mason was. It's hard for me to justify getting rid of him, right? And again, I know it's an emotional loss. It sucks that they that he missed the kick, but same time, man. Um, yeah. Let's see, uh, United Bates, I think they're having a conversation about it right now. He said, put the Crosby's first six years in the chat as well. Okay, so let's see what Deadfish said here, if I could find his comment. I'm getting lost in the chat here. Um, let's see. David Niehoff, I only asked because the box score was has one missed field goal. I've seen that too, Deadfish. I've seen that he had uh, only one missed field goal in the box score too. So was it an extra point he missed him? Was the second one an extra point maybe? Um, I'm not sure. We need to. I don't know, know where we're getting to. I only remember the one miss. I don't right. Know. And last night, I think I might have even said two at one point because I heard it. And uh, yeah, when I pulled it up here earlier, here's the box score right here, Dead Fish. Appreciate you, buddy. Um, yeah, the box score has got him. Uh, let me drop the ticker down now. <laughs> yeah, it's showing he was two for three. So, like, outside of expecting a 
a kicker to be perfect, man. I don't know what else you're expecting. Jake Moody was supposed to be the prize possession coming into last year's draft the kicker position. He went one for two. You know what I'm saying? And it was in the rain, too. So I'm cool with Anders moving forward. Um, it was just tough. It's, it's a tough look when you miss it, you know, with the game on the line like that, right? And that's the emotional aspect of, of everything we're talking about here. It, it kind of hits you hard in the moment for sure. Mace Taggart with the Super Chat. Thank you, buddy. Says, still heartbroken, fellas. Good morning, family. Hey, man, we're, we're all heartbroken, but there's a lot to look forward to, dude. It's uh, got an extremely young team, and we can put some uh, – Put some stuff uh, in place here this offseason to keep moving forward. And um, let's see, Joe RX said, fair enough, he's improving. Um, good stuff there. Doug Pointer says, if you look at the 2024 draft class, it is thin at running back, linebacker, tight end, and fairly deep at defensive line, offensive tackle, and quarterback. Appreciate that that quick update there, Doug. That's good information to know, man. And, and we all know, and I'm sure Doug would agree, we don't know if that's going to end up being that way, right? Maybe th- this may be one of the highest touted quarterback classes of all time, and they all come in and flop. We don't know, right? That's the that's the beauty of the draft. Everything's so hit or miss. But um, seeing that that's the strengths and weaknesses of this draft class, that's good to know. Uh, what it typically tells you, just like anything in business or the stock market or anything, if you've got a low supply and a high demand, that drives the value of that up, okay? So if there's a low supply of running backs, linebackers, and tight ends, What's the demand on it? I don't think those are positions that people put a high demand on, right? So you probably won't see people reach too much on those positions. Now, seeing that you're deep at defensive line, offensive tackle, quarterback, right? If you're deep at that and you need you know, low demand, right, then that would lower the value of that. But teams are always looking for offensive tackles. They're always looking for a three-tech and an edge. And they're darn sure always looking for a quarterback. So people will overpay for those three positions. The fact that it's deep, I think that's bodes really well for the Packers. You got to step back at him and go, okay, is Rasheed Walker the left tackle of the future? I'm leaning toward yes, but people are going, well, why, why, why aren't you jumping all in, Clayton? This man named Mike Wall, when I asked him about the offensive line, I said, Mike, former Pro Bowl offensive lineman in the league, I'm going to shut my mouth and hear what he's got to say, right? What do you think of this offensive line? His exact word, well, not his exact words, paraphrasing, basically what he said was 74 and 50, good to go. Everyone else can be replaced. Now he, notice he didn't say replace everyone else. He's just saying, if you can upgrade at those positions, do it. But there's nothing else you need to see out of 74 and 50. You're good to go at those two positions. Now, if Bach's healthy, I know how he feels about Bach. He thinks Bach is better than 74 and 50 being Elton Jenkins and Zach Tom. Um, so if Bach does come back on a, on a trim-down contract, you free up, you know, eight to ten million if you can come up with some kind of, you know, cash guarantee there and 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 maybe even throw on one boardable year to make it a little more tolerable. Um, you got left tackle, left guard, right tackle. Got to get that center position shirt up. But when it comes to center, keep this in mind too. PFF is really down on Josh Myers. You guys know I pointed out all year long. Here's a whiff. There's a whiff. Everywhere's a whiff. Whiff. Right when it comes to Josh Myers, but the SIS and thirty third team data. They seem to think he had a pretty good year. So, again, former players, former coaches, I got to step back and do a little more eval on myself going, okay, is he really that good? I would take those two metrics and combine them and say that's probably a pretty good idea of what you got. If that were being said, then I'd say you'd probably put Josh Myers somewhere in the 15 to 20 range as far as rankings of centers. And to me, it's a it's a position of tier two importance. It's too important a position, Tim. You need to try to upgrade it at all costs, right, unless you got a – a Jason Kelsey, 
or uh, you know a Creed Humphrey or someone like that. But uh, yeah, because uh, those guys just grow on trees, right? They're exactly. they, <laughs> they're around all the time. You know, they that's the thing too. it's just, just like, you know, the, the, the constant complaints about, you know, Anders Carlson, it's like, you know, well, I'm so sorry. He's not Justin Tucker, you know, like mm -hmm. Justin Tucker's don't grow on trees. I mean, you want an automatic kicker there, there, there's the, the guy, there's the one automatic kicker in the national football league, you know, um, special players are special players for a reason. And, uh, you know, drafting those guys is an art. You, you talk about being a talent evaluator. You got to be able to see that and, and make those moves. So, um, you know, I, I, I really hope we knock this 24 draft out of the park. I really think we can. I love this. Joe Momo, great, great uh, name, by the way, said, can Joe Barry get an assistant to the regional defensive coordinator? I love it. <laughs> assistant to the regional defensive coordinator. I, love right, it. I got, I I got that. Off, baby. I love it. <laughs> Cheesehead Murph says, safety and middle linebacker, let's move Quay to strong side. Oh, so here's the problem with that, Murph. And not that it's a problem. I'm just trying to trying to imagine how it how it happens here, right? In a 34 defense, if you stick with the 34 front, you know, if you're saying strong side, then you're saying you want to play him at edge, right? And I don't think that's the way to go in a 34 jam, right? You would rather have Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary setting that edge, the bigger body guys. Um in certain situations, yeah, you could play him at Sam like you're talking about, right, and and put him up. And they did this year. Um, the thing with Quay, he's not an edge rusher, and he's not a mock backer. You know, he's a physical specimen. That dude, you're not going to find someone with more God-given natural talent, right, ability, just quickness and strength and all that. Um, the problem is everything we've kind of talked about with how we draft, it's – RAS, RAS, RAS. And, and understand, guys, when we say RAS, we know Joe Barry. We are not, I'm sorry, Joe Barry. We know Brian Gudikins isn't sitting around looking at the RAS. They have their own athletic score. The closest thing we have is RAS, which is relative athletic score that uh, Bomb Math or Math Bomb on Twitter came up with this awesome system. And it kind of gives us an idea of, hey, you know, here's, here's how we think they stack up athletically, right? We got a German Shepherd here at the door. Let me let him in real quick, Tim. Um, but, yeah, when it comes to the RAS, um, that's definitely – that is definitely Quay Walker's strength. But he just – he doesn't have that natural ability to play the linebacker position, the instinct, if you will, right, as opposed to someone who has just played it at a high level and been a very, very smart player. But, man, you you blitzing him in those B-gaps, that can be – yeah, you see it at times. It's like good luck to that running back, right? So yeah, he's yeah. got a place on this team, don't get me wrong. Um, when we talked about the strengths and weaknesses of the draft there, I know someone said linebacker, right, was kind of weak. Maybe the fact that it's it's so uh, – let me pull it up one more time here. If you look at the 2024 draft, it's thin at running back, linebacker, and tight end. So I was going to suggest maybe you could grab another linebacker because I think we would all agree Dre had a down year. Was it the injuries? I don't know, but he's not getting any younger. But the problem with if, if the linebacker core is indeed thin – then that's probably going to drive the value up, meaning you would have to take them a little bit sooner than your draft board would probably allocate. You know, if you got a, let's say you got a, a tier three talent on them, right? And you're drafting in tier two, you got tier two prospects on your board, your live board, your living board. And then you've got the best linebackers one tier down. That's, that's the definition of reaching, right, Tim? So, yeah. And, and maybe this is a, a position that we're not going to address with the draft, you know, going with this logic. You know, maybe we look at free agency, Could be. We, you know, there's, there's other, 
other ways to go about this, but um, I'm not writing Quay off. You already know that's my dude. Um, you know, he, he's going to be going into year three here. Um, I certainly think we would all agree that uh, Quay has improved in, in multiple facets when you compare um, this year to his rookie season last year. So, uh, yeah, I mean, maybe we do see that. Maybe we see him uh, utilized a little differently. Maybe they do try to move or move him around and maybe he finds his stride. But, um, you know, this is a guy I'm not going to give up on. And I don't think this team's going to give up on. That's a solid piece there in the middle. And uh, while we're on the on the subject, so is Zay McDuffie. I'd like to see him yeah. stay around. Um, we, we talked about Eric Wilson, you know, other guys that can develop um, that I believe have earned spots. Um, so camp's going to be interesting next year for sure. But um, let's not give up on uh, on Quay and the boys in the middle just yet. You know, um, I guess we might as well wrap this full circle. Um, got a chance to thank Devondre Campbell for his service. Um, you know, there's some uncertainty with his future and this team as well as uh, he's kind of getting to the later stages of his career. So, yeah. you know, it might be a question mark there with Dre in the middle. So um, we'll see what route we go, but I don't know, you know, looking at, uh, we'll have to get Jake Shavink's, uh take on this too. Um, but I think, you know, just a bird's eye view looking at that draft, if, if linebackers kind of thin, maybe the draft isn't where we go um, for that position. Yeah. Um, JJ McQuaid in the chat and we'll, we'll get ready to wrap this thing up here. He said, this team struggles to stop the run. They actually got better this year, JJ. A lot of people don't realize that. In 2022, and that's what I've got pulled up here, in 2022, rushing yards per game, 139.5. This year, 128.3. Last year, they averaged 6.5 yards per carry. I'm sorry, uh, 5.0 yards per carry. This year, dropped all the way down to 4.4. So they got better across the board in run defense this year. The pass yards total is what raised the touch, right? And it's because we were playing more man coverage, which is just absolutely wild that the run defense got a little bit better seeing how much man we played this year, uh, kind of out of characteristic. So, yeah, I know people on the surface like to say, oh, this run defense is horrible. They're horrible. They're horrible. They actually got better. They got better this year. So uh, just to kind of put that into perspective. And I think they got better down the stretch. And the reason being is because we started playing those edges a little different, Tim, like yep. we're talking about. So, uh, all right, let's wrap this thing up. I don't want to go too long because, again, we did a post-game show last night, and um, there's going to be plenty of time to break this stuff down. We're going to have another show tonight. We're going to keep going two shows a day until we get to the point where we feel like we're running low on content, and then we'll switch it back to one show a day. I just don't want to feel like we're just doing filler in here for you guys, all right? But I did want to hear from the head coach. Quick 30-second clip from him and then a quick 30-second clip from who I think is the team – uh, the team captain, the true team captain, the leader of this team, and that's Aaron Jones. But let's see what yep. Coach LaFleur had to say. Then we'll go to Aaron Jones. We'll wrap it up. I am proud of this guy, of these guys, but it's more just the, the ability to keep competing, to stick together. I mean, there were some real – I mean, there were some tough moments in our season. Um, you know, when we lost some tough games and um, – and this is one of them, quite frankly, to be honest with you. But I, I've got the utmost confidence that the guys in that locker room, that our staff, everybody will stick together. I love it. He's already – he's talking to the team, and he's saying, hey, look, we're going to stick together. We're moving forward. Uh, th this crew's got, he's got each other's back. And then now here, Aaron Jones. I want you to look how – Aaron Jones is disappointed, but just – 
just look at Aaron Jones's demeanor. He's the he's disappointed, but he's also you can tell he's just like, how blessed are we to have this crew together, right? Uh, it's been amazing. It's honestly been the best team that I've been around. Best group of guys. Uh, just the way we come together, uh, we believe in each other, we care about each other. It's like we're all brothers. We're not brothers, cousins. We're all like family. We're all related somehow. Um, but it's it's truly fun when you you know those guys care about you. Um, you can just look on the field. It's, it's evident we're playing for each other. Uh, that's why it hurts a little bit more because we weren't we were playing for each other. I love it, dude. Love it. Stand up, dude, right there. That that hey, Aaron Jones, man. That he needs to. He needs to stay. I don't. I don't care about the numbers. I don't care. That guy is a leader, yeah. and uh, should absolutely retire as a Packer. Yes. And we'll go into the Packer Hall of Fame. Um, that's a that's a done deal as far as I'm concerned. And uh, you know, he extended that too when we were uh, we noticed him earlier here at the top when we ran the video from the airport. You know, one of the things I didn't get on video um, is the fact that Aaron stood there for a good five minutes after that and met with a lot of the young fans and took time to sign autographs and helmets and that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, did some photos and that kind of thing, you know, that's, that's real leadership right there. You know, when you're battered and bruised and I'm sure that hamstring is screaming at him after today, um, to take the time to still, um, you know, give, give a fan a, a moment that'll last a lifetime is just, uh, something that green Bay is all about. And, um, you know, Aaron Jones, man, we, we got to get him back. You yeah. know, I, I know it's going to be, be tough. We talk about the running back room, man, but, um, I think that's a piece this team needs going forward. Definitely. And especially if you want to draft his replacement and have him kind of help mold him, right. And show him what it is to be a pro, um, without pushing him out. Uh, Aaron Jones took a pay cut this year and, and he laughed about it. Cause he's like, listen, I still got paid more this year than I have in my entire career. They'll do the same thing. I think he's due. I think his cap hits seventeen million. You got plenty of base salary and roster bonus money that you can convert to signing bonus and free up that cap, and then you can kind of do whatever you want to with that. You can you basically write him a check and say, "Hey, we're going to guarantee you're going to stay here in Green Bay. Here's a check up front. That way, if you get hurt, you still get paid, right? Um, that type of thing. That's the incentive from the players' perspective, from the coaches or from the team's perspective, obviously." You're lowering the cap number. So he's sitting at 17. I think this year he finished at 11, unless incentives hit. So what will probably happen is you'll probably go to him and go, hey, look, we want you back. Um, you know, how about we adjust this and that? And, and it's not going to be, how about we adjust it where you get a 12 million cap hit? The players could care less about cap hit. They need to know dollars and cents, how much money's going in my pocket, how much is guaranteed, that type of thing. So I think we'll probably, I would be okay with settling in at about $12 million cap hit with Aaron Jones. I wouldn't. So if that's the case, you shave off five. If you make Bakhtiari one of, if not the highest paid tackles in the game, but you shave off seven million off of him, that's twelve million you just freed up, and you got two of your best players back. But I don't want to be cold hearted. But if Bach isn't healthy, and it's going to be the same old thing, and and he doesn't know that the players, the team doesn't know that this isn't anybody's fault. It's just one of those freak things. If we can't guarantee as best as we can guarantee he's going to be on the field, then you probably just let him walk and you free up 20 million, right? You just cut him loose and free up 20. So, or maybe you trade. Um, I like Bach. I'd like to see him back. I'd like to see both those guys back. So you could get them back, make it worth their time. And like I said, free up roughly, let's say uh, 5 million for Jonesy and another 7 million 
for Bach and free up 12 million against the cap. And again, that's all based off of how the structures, the restructures are taking place where you convert base salary and roster bonus to signing bonus. So you can cut them a check that day and then you can kick the can down the road. You can spread it out over the duration of the contract with Aaron Jones's situation. He's already got voidable years tacked on. So you just spread it out over those and you're good to go. So you're reducing the overall money the Packers are paying, but you're guaranteeing him money up front in case he gets hurt. So it's a win-win for both sides. Um, All right. One last comment. JJ McQuaid said pass rushing is a part of the problem also. Um, I just want to point out, I'm not trying to prove you wrong, JJ. I'm just simply saying many people are saying the same thing on Twitter and just through Packers fandom, and it's simply not true. Um, when you look at the pass rush defense yearly, last year we had we averaged two sacks a game. This year we jumped all the way to 2.6 sacks per game. To put that into perspective, that tied the best sacks per game rate since at least 2016 that probably goes back further than that to Dom Capers's uh, early years there with Green Bay. So that is incorrect and untrue that the pass rush, if you're suggesting the pass rush got worse this year, it actually got better. Not only did it get better than last year, it got better than 2021 and it tied for 2020 and 2019 and 2018 and was better than 2017 and 2016. Now pressures, you guys know, I'm not all about the sacks. You don't have to have sacks to be, a great, you know, pass rush. The goal is to get pressure on the quarterback, right? Yes, you'd like to sack him, but anytime we get an interception off of pressures, nobody's going, well, I sure wish he'd have sacked him there. You're glad he got the ball out, right? Um, pressures this year, 13.2. Last year, 11.4 per game. So we jumped almost two whole pressures per game this year. Now, in 2021, we were at 13.7. In 2020, we were at 11. In 2019, we were at 14.9, and at uh, 2018, 13.7. So you got significantly better from last year as far as pressure rate and hitting home with sacks. So just something to keep in mind, the pass rush did get better this year uh, as opposed to, you know, compared to last year, I should say. So just want to hit that as we as we go along. So with that being said, let's get out of here, Tim. Parting thoughts, buddy. Um. Goes without saying, but I'll say it again. Proud of this team. Um, proud of where we're going. Um, and, um, yeah, this loss sucks. It does. <laughs> it does. But not as much as it would have sucked losing a month ago and uh, not being a part of the, the postseason. So um lot to build on, lot to look forward to, a lot to break down in this offseason. I'm excited for that. And, um you know, I'm proud to be a Packer fan still. Green and gold till I'm dead and cold. Go, Pack, go. This young team is on the rise. Uh, I still believe um, they haven't peaked yet, and there's no ceiling. There's, there is no ceiling. Um, we'll have some new faces, I'm sure, um, when camp rolls around next year, and uh, it'll be really intriguing and interesting to see how things uh Things shake, shape up after another draft class is added to this already young and bright roster. I'm, I'm just really looking forward to it. And hopefully, yeah, maybe a, a few free agent signings or s- some roster moves that uh, have nothing to do with the draft. You know, we got a lot of picks. Goody's got a lot of ammo. Really Lots to look forward to, guys. So try to focus on the positives as we uh, process the end of our season. And, um, you know, make sure you uh, give credit where credit is due, which is to these players and to the staff. Uh, through and through, man. Proud of proud of this organization and the the year that we had. Absolutely. 
Yeah. Something else, too, to, to keep in, taking into consideration. You know, Chase Young got traded to the Niners for a third-round pick. You've got a lot of coaching turnover right now. I think there's rumors are heat, really heating up that Belichick is going to take the Atlanta job. So if he does take the Atlanta job, you got all these guys changing. They're going to go in-house, and they're going to clean house. They're going to be looking at some of the, quote-unquote, best players on the roster and go, we don't need him. He doesn't fit our scheme. We're going to trade him. So there's also an opportunity there in the next, you know, little bit that maybe some trade talks will heat up. You know, if you talk about replacing a Devondre Campbell, right? I don't think – I think Devondre Campbell's probably going to be on the roster. If I remember the contract correctly, I probably shouldn't speak out of pocket because I don't have the contract in front of me. But I think you lose money if you cut him next year. You actually eat dead cap in the negative. So it probably makes sense to bring him back. But it doesn't mean you try to replace him right now. Now, here's the thing. You could bring someone in to replace him and – he outperformed them because he's completely healthy in camp. Awesome. Love to see it. <laughs> I love Devondre. Oh, man. Walter Payton, man of the year. You're not going to find a better dude, right? Him run, run the tape of him when he was healthy. You yes. know? Oh, my exactly. goodness. You know, I'm all for that. You know, that's not so, making excuses either. I mean, this guy's played through injury this year. And, right. yeah, we've seen a dip in, in execution and performance. The guy's yeah. banged up. You know? So, as a podcast, the first thing we want to do this offseason – is roster evaluation, okay? And there's going to be some coaching talk. You know, Barry may get fired, and if he does, then they'll be looking for a D.C. We'll jump into that right now. Until that happens, I'm not wasting time doing it. I'm not. I, there's nothing that drives me crazier than listening to a bunch of podcasts where they talk about this may happen, this may happen, then it doesn't happen. And we're like, okay, I just wasted how much of my life? I could have been listening to Nick Saban coach a seminar on cover three defense. You know what I mean? Like – Everybody, you need to protect your brain, protect your mind when it comes to what you're letting in uh, into your uh, into your ear holes there. Okay, so uh, what we're going to start with is roster eval. We're going to go through and go, okay, what did the team get better at? What did they get worse at? All right, we need to improve here. Make a note of it. We need to improve there. Make a note of it. If they did great, we're going to go good job, but we're moving on. We could care less. How do we get better, right, as an organization? So why we call it Packers Total Access? Our goal is to be the slappies in the building that nobody even knows it exists. We want to be behind the scenes going, how is the team approaching this? Who graded out well? Who graded out bad? How do we make the team better? So we'll establish all that. Here are the weak spots. Here's where we can improve. All right. Now, how do we get there? Okay. All right. We got free agency coming up. You got potential trades and you got the draft. We'll handle them all in the order in which they come. Right. So that's what the offseason is going to be. Tonight, we're going to start that. We're going to give an overall, just an overview of, okay, offense, Here's your top five players on offense. Here's your top five players on defense. We're going to try to come up with our own ranking system too. Not us grading the tape, not us going, I think that guy's good, but people we trust, right? Um, data that we trust, combine that together and go, okay, here's your solid players on offense and defense. Build the team around that core and then identify where you may be feeling needs moving forward. So that's the goal this offseason. But I want to give a special shout-out to Nick McSwain. Been a member now for four months. Appreciate you, buddy. Joe RX, thank you for the Super Chat, sir. And Mace Taggart, thank you for the Super Chat. We appreciate you. I know Mace has got a channel here on YouTube, too, guys. Go give him a like. Go give him a follow, okay? Let's help each other out in that regard. Um, you guys know on Twitter, if someone follows me and they ask for a follow back, I'm going to give it 100% of the time because I just don't understand the whole ratio guardians out there that are like, no, I – Got to keep my followers under a thousand because I want to look like I'm important. We're all able to support each other. This show, this podcast is run by Packer fans. Okay. Not someone who, you know, does this for a living. 
we are not the same. And <laughs> some of you guys got that, and I'm glad you did. So, yeah, Doug, I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to building the draft board for sure, man. And, again, people say, what do you think about this prospect? It doesn't matter what I think. What does this professional think? What does Greg Cosell think about that prospect? That should be the goal, right? So, Absolutely. but, yeah, I'm excited. That's what my draft board is. I will say it a thousand times this offseason. This isn't my perspective on the players. This is people I trust and their perspective on the players. So, all right. Yeah, if you guys would, like Reeve said, hit that like button for us on the way out. We appreciate everybody hanging out with us again. Thank you all for the super chats. Thanks for being a member. do want to say Packers Soul Access Live is brought to you by the uh, – or is the uh, – BetUS is the official sports book of Packers Total Access Live. We appreciate them jumping on board. If you want to support the show in another way and it costs $0, click on the link in the description of this video that will send you directly to BetUS. And by using that link, it lets them know that we sent you to them. You can register for free as a customer, and that puts us in better standing with them. That's BetUS, the official sports book of Packers Total Access. Guys, the name too, I want to mention this. The name may change of the show. The content's never going to change, okay? We got to do right by the Packers. If they don't want us using the word Packers, in the podcast and I won't use it, you know, and there's no hard feelings there. A business is a business. For anybody who understands that, that's me. Okay. So it may change to something kind of quirky. We may just call it PTA. You guys know what it is. And we'll still have Packers in the title because we're allowed to do that. But I don't want to mislead people into thinking that we're a, a podcast that's, you know, owned by the Packers. Right. So as of right now, they're good with it from what I understand, but I just know that moving forward, we're always going to do right by them because first and foremost, what's most important to us is playing to the big team, and that is our Green Bay Packers. So awesome year. Kudos to them. Kudos to the coaching staff, the players. It's a lot of fun, but a brand-new season starts right now, and I'm excited about diving into it with you guys this offseason. So with that being said, we're out of here. For those of you listening on the pod, thank you for making us a part of your day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world, and go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.